So what's next for me is to help people understand leadership development is both linear. It's not that you're always on the rise. Um, you're reaching back and leading and helping people and nurturing. It's a continuum. Hey, what is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lynn, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. Make sure you're subscribed so you can hear more from awesome leaders around the world on the effect that leadership has on the employee experience. As a leader, what are you doing to reach back and continually grow others through your leadership? People First leaders have a responsibility to constantly teach and develop those around them so they can be tomorrow's leaders. That's exactly what Don McCoy does. Don is the founder of Flourish Leadership Group, a leadership development and communications firm providing strategic services and professional development. I got together with Don to talk about everything from self-care to listening, tools for engagement, continually growing others, and even talking about Instagram reels and the effect it has on communicating with our employees. So let's get ready and dive on it. Hey, Don, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. Uh, we've been back and forth quite a bit, but I'm so glad I'm able to have you on. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Well, let's jump right into it. What does it mean to you to lead people first? Fascinating you ask that. Leading people first is about putting yourself aside and making sure that you are serving the needs of those who follow you and for being a servant. Yeah, servant leadership is something that um, I know a lot of people um, think about when when I say people first. And I know that that's something that a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about or misgivings about. Can you talk a little bit more about what it actually means? What servant leadership actually means? Absolutely. Um, Robert Greenleaf, who's the founder of the Servant Leadership Principle, talked about how people need to be mindful of always giving first, uh, serving others without asking in return and being about service. And so I think that too many people think that being in a leadership position is about themselves, as opposed to being of the people and serving the people. There are fabulous examples in history, obviously, Gandhi, um, Martin Luther King Jr., and others who were always thinking about being of service. And so I just know that that's something we need to be more mindful of when we think of leadership. Yeah, that's um, that's something that's a really good point. Where where there's a lot of past leaders and even current leaders who who serve in that way, um, and really just give right. And that giving nature is something that we need more and more of, especially in a year like this this year that we had. Uh, I you know by the time this episode comes out, we'll hopefully have a much better 2021 starting than we did for uh, 2020. But um, Something that I love about your own servant leadership is that you are constantly and consistently have been giving for decades uh, Mm -hmm. for quite some time in this space around leadership and helping leaders grow and just helping them with little tips or reflections that you have with your leadership reflection series videos. So I would love to hear how did you come into this space to begin with? Uh, given your background, which is very diverse, as well as, uh, yeah, how did you just learn to become a people first leader? Hmm, what a great question. I, I had so many teachers along the way. 
and really examples. Uh, first and foremost, I come from a family of preachers, leaders, and community leaders. I have to laugh. It was not an accident that I would be in a leadership position. So having a grandfather who was a preacher, having parents who were active in our community, and really being able to follow that, that was just my blueprint. Um, more importantly, I had the great opportunity to work for my hometown congressman, Norman Mineta in California. Um, he was from San Jose, and I just chased everything that he did when I was in my college years and said, I want to work for you. And as a college intern, I had no idea that being able to serve him would be one of the greatest examples of learning leadership in practice. Um, his work serving people uh, as formerly a mayor and then as a congressman and becoming such an esteemed and regarded member of the administrations. He just is such a paralleled, unparalleled leader. And I learned from him. So that was where I, I cut my teeth, if you will, and really learned to <laughs> get the idea and nuance of being a servant leader. That's awesome. The I, I want to explore that just a little bit because I think at, when we're younger, we have a misconstrued idea of what leadership is. We don't truly, as kids, we don't truly understand what leadership is. Uh, we very often equate leadership as someone in, in a uh, position of power or authority, mm-hmm. um, at least in my experience from people I've talked to and myself. So, but then when you go into government, I think that leadership is also vastly different than what we believe it is as adults. So what was maybe the biggest learning lesson you you learned as a leader in your time serving in the government? Oh, that's a fabulous question. I So many lessons. First being an intern, I knew that at the time I couldn't get paid <laughs> to work. So I was like, well, I'm serving, obviously. And it was great when Norm could bring me onto his staff and pay me as staff. And that led me to a fabulous career in service in public policy and being able to discern not just being someone who had, you know, the rules and power, but being able to really lead people and help make decisions that made an impact for them. Um, My work and service for him led to actually work that I did in the state government in my work in Sacramento and working in a local school board and being an elected school board member and being able to serve again people. And so the theme for me has been able to listen to the voice of those who are in need or who have a request and to be able to fulfill that through service. And so again, that it's about being able to fulfill um, not just what people want, but being able to balance that appropriately through equitable uh, consideration and looking at policy and advocacy. And so I look at all of those as being a factor of a common thread throughout. And, yeah. and in more recent years, I was appointed by the governor in Richmond to serve on a board. And so being able to continue my service in the disabilities community. That's fantastic. The The concept of listening, I think it is something that is vastly understated and something that often gets thrown out the window right away because we always have something to say. Everyone right. always has something to say. Um, but I do want to share something that uh, Sh- I'm going to butcher her name. Shani Bayard, Bayard, uh, Sh- Shani Bayard shared with me about yourself. And she said that Dawn is a compassionate leader whose strength lies in her ability to connect with an individual's heart 
and tap into her hidden capacity for leadership. She's the coach you want to have when encountering life's challenges, twists, and turns. She's smart, compassionate, thorough, and effective. So when we look at your strength um, in being able to connect with people's hearts, I think listening has a big part of that, right? And then I can't even imagine how tough it is working as a school board member, an elected school board member, because there are so many things to balance. And there's so many things that you have to be able to do to effectively lead. And one of those things is communication. So can you share a little bit now about what are some of the key things that leaders moving into 2021, being a little bit uncertain about the work environment that we're going to be in, what they need to really focus on when it comes to communication and listening with their employees. Mm, Very good point. And it's timely that you share that because we have to all do better at listening. There is so much um, distraction that can get in the way of hearing a message and articulating a message. And so from my experience, actually, which I really, really hold in high regard of being an elected school board trustee to be able to listen to concerns, gripes, complaints, accolades, all of the rest. And I think that you hit the nail on the head that there is an importance of, of leaders right now to listen to their subordinates, to listen to the masses um, for brands and businesses, to listen to um, obviously their customers and clients. And so it's a great way to not just listen. So why do I say listen? Well, I don't just mean like, tell us what you think, but listen to the unpleasant feedback. Listen to the things that are a little bit uncomfortable to be in and around and to move through that. Because if we can't accept what we don't know, then we don't get past it to another better part of understanding. Yeah. I like that. I'm glad that you brought that up. That's actually been something that I've been thinking about quite a bit and has come up for me um, towards the end of this year has been this notion of uncomfortability, right? Um, I know you've used this metaphor in the past about, you know, uh, starting the new year, going to the gym and having new year's resolutions. And, you know, day two, we fall out of it because we get uncomfortable or we miss a day and we get hard on ourselves and we build those obstacles, but being uncomfortable is where growth happens. Right. And like you just said, and um, especially when it comes to very difficult topics, either a process in the workplace policy uh, people issues, issues with your own leadership that you may not be aware of. Those are opportunities to take a hold of, right. And really grab and, and grow. And something that you had mentioned in your leadership reflection, I think it was last week uh, or this week, what, you know, as we move into 2021, one of the reflections you had for this year was about staying focused and, having balance and and making sure that we stay focused with what we have to do. And again, with this upcoming year, with the pandemic still, who knows what's going to happen? You know, there's a lot of hope out there, but we still don't really know what's actually going to happen. How can not only leaders stay focused with what they have to do with leading the business and leading the people, but also staying focused on what they need to do for themselves. 
Very good question. And leaders can only be of service to others when they serve themselves by doing the self-care, by stepping away, by remaining focused when there are lots of distractions. I, I call it either the shiny syndrome, we get caught up and sidetracked and we get caught up in the, oh, the what if syndrome. And unfortunately people can get really um, distracted in their own leadership ability because they may have self-doubt. I've been there, done that. I'm a witness to that, where you question, why am I doing this? Or, well, what is the actual endpoint or outcome? Especially when there are distractions, pulling and tugging. Um, this has been a year of lots of turmoil and dissension. And it has been in, in a way that is no longer the Mr. You know, <laughs> Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's been a whole different scenario. And so what I have been watching and taking copious notes of as a leader and as someone who wants to help more people learn to come into their own leadership is just that what you said. We have to be thinking about getting uncomfortable in that and being able to do that self-care, self-nurturing, stepping away, rejuvenation, um, turn off the news, turn off social media, take the time to step away and enjoy time with family without having a, a, a movie on or something to have as entertainment, just enjoy the company of others. So it, it's really important. Leaders have to take care of themselves. Yeah. The, the self-care is so, so important. Um, and I think we really learned that this year because our personal and professional lives crashed into each other and we were forced to live with both at the same time when before we could literally step away from the house, go to work, leave work, come home. Um, but, you know, this year we've been forced to merge those things together. So it's been very difficult, I know, for many people to keep those things separate. And then on top of that, take care of their own mental and emotional state. Um, and yeah, you're right. We need to get off these, these phones. Oh, my phone's connected. <laughs> but I wanted, I was trying to be dramatic and show my phone um, on the screen. But, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, like, Things like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all those things can really suck you in and become a negative thing. And that's what I, I, I love that about your work, though, is you embrace technology. You've really embraced all the tools at your disposal. Um, I mean, what led you to or what allows you to have that embrace and, and that open mind? Because like something like reels that I saw you have on your Instagram account, like that, that takes me, I'm still trying to get used to that and, and wrap my head around it. But you're like, I'm all in. Like I looked at, like when I was looking at your profile, I was like, oh my God, Don has like 30, 40, 50 reels already. And it hasn't even been out that long. So what, what allows you to just have this open mind and, and adapt and jump right into the things that are in front of you. Mm -hmm. I call it my, my quest and thirst for knowledge. I have, have always been inquisitive and I've always been curious and I've always been one to say, well, tell me more. I'm the kid who was at the library years ago. Remember when we had card files and people didn't have just a Google or a, a Bing or search feature on their phone yeah. actually had to go <laughs> to the library to do a book report. Now I know that's old fashioned, some may say, but to me, there was nothing better than sitting in the stacks 
of the books, uh, the libraries. And actually I had a little stint at Library of Congress where you know I was a, a nerdy little intern again and, and loved having my job running with the books because that taught me to learn. There was always something I didn't know. And there was always something that I was curious, well, how does that work? Well, what does that do? And so you mentioned reels. I was like, wait a second, how am I supposed to take a message and compress it into 15 seconds, right? That doesn't make sense. And so it's been really fun. I love to embrace new things because that's the communication tool. That is how a lot of people are absorbing information. I can't write more books if people are like, eh, book schmucks, whatever, you know, they're not um, podcast. Yeah. Podcast is next. You're going to put me out of a job. You're going to, you're going to do your own audio (laughs) book in the works, in the works. (laughs) Well, I think that that brings us back to communication, right? Is you have to meet the, you have to use a tool and meet the people where, where they're at right? You right. can't expect them to come to you. And that right. applies at the workplace as well as, you know, your employees have a whole slew of tools and preferences of how they want to be communicated mm-hmm. to. And you cannot expect them to jump ship uh, and force them into one. I mean, you could, but you're going to have a lot of unhappy people. So it's a lot easier to just kind of adapt your own message and, and bring it to them rather than trying to saying, Hey, come over here. And then let me tell you what I want. <laughs> like, and then let me tell you what, to, what I want to say. So right. that's, a, that's a really good point. What has been the, um, what has been your, I guess, silliest or funniest thing that's happened to you on reels so far? Cause I think, again, that's such a, wow, that's, that's such fun. a silly, like silly, <laughs> fun, but really engaging platform. Like, what is that? what's what's been like your biggest like whoa moment in using my whoa my whoa has been the variety of ways that I can convey a message with music with text graphics gifs and sound file all like I say in less than 15 seconds so literally I am like okay outfit change or I'm like okay let me think of the words that would best describe this 30 second soundbite in two words. Yeah. And it's forcing me to make sure that I'm communicating um, not only with visual, but with listening. And so that that whole experience that you would have in a full video in a 15 second reel. So I've covered balance and lifestyle and success or work from home, a variety of topics so that people can really resonate. Yeah, dude, I couldn't wear that outfit this year because, you know, work from home, <laughs> where am I sporting that thing, right? Yeah. What's been your favorite uh, uh, trend that you've seen on Reels? My favorite trend, I think as of late, people have been doing the Michael Jackson dance with ghosts. The ghost. I love that one. It is hilarious. <laughs> I was telling my wife that yesterday because she she finally came across one yesterday and I was like, I love that. She's like, what? I'm like, I'm like, because people are so, it's such a creative thing, like Mm -hmm. that people that's allowing people to, like you said, explore and be curious and and try new things. And the thing that I think, um, this skill that's being, uh, unknowingly forced upon us Mm -hmm. to learn has been marketing. Right. Right. What is the, like, you have to distill your message into such a short amount of time. It's like creating a 15 second ad and just yeah. like ads on 
like your YouTube or on the TV or wherever, you know, wherever else, unless you get hooked in those first two seconds, you're going to tune out that commercial or that ad or that reel. And you're just going to scroll right on through. And again, that, that applies right to to work Mm -hmm. and leadership. So yeah, don't, don't let your message just kind of get scrolled by, like make sure you gotta. <laughs> you have to have the hook, you know, it's like, what are you drawing them in for? And, and it would be the same way if you're talking with employees or clients or community, you would want to draw them in immediately with a message. Yeah. And so again, it, there's that focus and being able to communicate and being able to have like, what is the call to action? What are you asking them to do? You know, as a leader, would you want them to serve, jump up and down, stand on their head? You know, it's a, it's really a no-brainer, but it, it's remarkable how creative that space has been. It's, it is absolutely, I absolutely underscore it is going to be a wave of the future, video marketing and getting a message across in that way. Yeah. You're the next social, big social influencer. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag social marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when we do look at that at tools at our disposal as, as leaders, mm-hmm. and we look at you know, you were, you started going into it, engaging our employees and those around us. What are some of the critical tools you see leaders needing to be able to use? You know, they might not be like an app or, you know, some new messaging service or something, but what are some of the tools that leaders have to have in their toolbox for this, this next year? Absolutely. There are a number of things that will help leaders to be most productive. And I call it a good old fashioned calendar or filing system. Doesn't have to be anything elaborate. You don't need the next and latest iPhone. You don't need the latest and greatest calendar system, but something that works for you. And that's why I say to every leader is having a system, a process. Um, I use for a long time, three by five card for networking. I use the old Rolodex, obviously more contemporary now with technology. Um, But that's essential because when you're leading people, you need to know what are their needs? What are their wants? How can they be of service? When I ran campaigns, it was about making sure I had the right person sealing envelopes and I had the right person at the door greeting people. You have to really know where people's strong suits are. And then more importantly, being able to know where you can best serve. There were communities that I served where people spoke different languages or they had different ways to articulate concepts that were not traditional. And so I had to know going into certain neighborhoods that I couldn't just come in. Hi, everybody. That wasn't the way that you greet people. And so it's really about making sure to keep a process for knowing who it is you're serving, how you're serving them, and how you're putting them first, as opposed to thinking, hey, I'm the leader. I'm here. Um, We have to switch our thinking around as leaders always. What's been the most difficult team or person that you've had to try to figure out to develop that process or figure out their strength? What can you tell, tell me a little bit about, you know, a story about that? Sure. Um, I can give a couple of examples that yeah. all relate to um, intergenerational teams are some of the most fascinating. And at the same time, the most challenging, there are so many people that don't understand that there are various ways. Simple example is you've got Gen X millennial You've got a more traditional, how do we communicate? Do we text? Do we email? Do we have meetings by memo? Do we have five-hour meetings? Do we have a 15-second check-in? 
And so what I find the most challenging to watch and myself to learn, because I'm somewhere stuck in the middle of all these intergenerational folks kind of bumping around. Um, Patrick Lencioni is a well-known author on leadership topics and he talks about death by meeting. And so the idea in his book of that, we meeting ourselves out because we haven't figured it out. We don't have to have a four hour, 10 hour, 12 hour meeting. We can get it done in 15 minutes. So it's to that concept of being able to be an intergenerational savvy leader to be able to be sophisticated enough. And so some of them have been my greatest learning opportunities, but also some of my greatest challenges. Yeah. And, and something I think that I, I liked that you had shared before was around, you know, leaders talking about leaders like Patrick Lencioni, about other leaders just in the world is that we can learn a lot from other leaders without ever having worked for them. Or if we did work for them, we, we, there's a lot of nuggets that we can pull from them. Who are some of the leaders that you are right now, contemporary leaders that you're watching right now and just paying attention to? Well, I definitely am in the tech space. I'll be completely honest with you. That is a personal fascination. Um, Patel, obviously, um, still watching, even though posthumously um, jobs, you know, with the, the whole Apple concept and the, obviously, um, our dear friend over there with um, the fancy cars and everything else, because we know that there's a lot going on in that space. Um, I would also add that um, with the lean in concept, um, Sandberg, uh, she has done some real yeoman's work in the space on women um, being recognized in the workspace and also being able to um, compete. And I might add that there are so many who are the unspokens as far as in the leadership space. Um, they're doing their work quietly and silently, maybe in silos and maybe in, um, I want to say in their industry, but not recognized as potentially, we would say, a globally recognized leader like Patel. Um, But I do think we have to look at them and learn. I read a lot. I do online reading and reading of books. Yes. Um, But like you, we have to really familiarize ourselves to learn and absorb. Yeah. As we continue to, um, you know, really absorb, like you said, and learn and grow as leaders. The thing that we need to remember is that we, it's not a, there's no end point. There's no end final station, right? This is something that we are going to continue to do and learn in leadership for the rest of our lives. So can you talk a little bit more about, you know, leadership development and the importance of continually growing? Mm -hmm. Leadership development is a continuum. And I say that, that it is not something you achieve once you have leadership status or title, or you've earned, or you're at a certain age. It's a continuum, Uh, much like I educated myself on reels and some of these other technology space, I consider myself to be more educated in other periods of the uh, leadership space and leadership speak. Um, Leadership development comes in different arenas and it's reaching down and to the next generation of leaders. Uh, One of the things I've prided myself on for years and learned this from others was about reaching back and helping the next generation of leaders. Uh, because there is so much distraction right now about how can they achieve that. Look at what we've been through this pandemic. There, there might be a manager in waiting thinking she or he cannot be the next level in their job because the pandemic may hold them back. 
And so how can we encourage people to think about that? So what's next for me is to help people understand leadership development is both, you know, linear, but it's not one that's just sort of a trajectory that you're always on the rise. Um, you're reaching back and leading and helping people and nurturing. Um, John Hope Bryant, uh, who is out of Atlanta, has done a remarkable job of reaching back um, with his whole financial literacy movement and leadership along the way. And so we have to be thinking more along those lines. Mary Wright Edelman has done such a remarkable job in the education space of reaching back of the each one teach one concept. And so we have a lot of work to do ourselves. Each one of us has the same talent within. We have to just think about what it is that we want to develop and how to nurture those around us. Yeah, nurturing those around us is something that gets lost, I think, in leadership is it's not just, it's not only about influence. Yes, that's a very big part of leadership. But are you really a true leader if you can't cultivate other leaders, if you can't help grow other leaders? I think that's something that um, we don't necessarily focus on enough is that we need to be able to help others grow in the work that they do and help them become leaders as well. And it doesn't matter if those people may necessarily end up managing others, but they still need to have a leadership capability to be able to influence others because we are going to have to collaborate in some manner, no matter what we do, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And something that um, I think that, you know, that brings up a good point about what Joel Andrews has said about your leadership where he said, Don leads in a manner that embodies the understanding and power of engagement that recognizes followership is a choice and that there's tremendous positive energy in commitment versus compliance. So again, those that we lead, they have a choice whether or not to follow. They might have to follow, but if they are truly engaged and you're creating a positive employee experience for them, then they choose, they would choose to follow you and they will work harder for you than they would for someone that they did not like or did not trust or respect. Mm -hmm. And that leads to higher productivity. So can you talk more about how we can become more productive as leaders, as employees and create an environment where the people around us are more productive because of mm -hmm. our leadership? Yep, it's um, in with some of the priorities you mentioned about having not just um, tools that are electronic in nature, but what is going to make an individual more productive in their workspace. Like we have now a work from home circumstance, but also when people have work-life balance and the opportunity to have that allocation of time for family, for community service, actually they get more work done and they'll actually do more. And so as we think about how we as individuals and as leaders can help to bring about more productivity, think again about, you know, development of cultivating individuals. Um, I use different productivity apps and tools. Um, I also news person. So I make sure that I'm not just catching one news story, but I catch several at a time so that I can filter through what I need obviously things that I can process, but it helps me be more productive where I'm sure I would love to flip through the entire newspaper, but I'm going to look for what is going to be applicable to what I'm looking for in that news um, time of day, et cetera, um, and streamlining my time so that I'm scheduling that in. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about scheduling and prioritization. Um, and you bring up a good point that I, this is hit, this is the second time I've heard it this week, is that the more work that we, not necessarily work as in like busy work, but just the more responsibility we put on ourselves, the more productive we become. And, and again, don't misconstrue that as more work. The more responsibilities we have, the more productive we become because we then pri- are able to prioritize and cut out the excess fat, as you would say, um, out of our lives, right? Whether that's things like social media or, you know, you know, just kind of listening to music and zoning out, like whatever it might be. I mean, again, you might need those things from a mental standpoint, but um, being able to be more productive because you have more, I guess, pressure to perform in, in a sense. And uh, it is very important as well. Yes. Good so, point. <laughs> yeah. What kind of skills or tricks would you say that, you know, again, as we go back to the servant leadership and showing compassion within the workspace, what are some of the things that leaders can do to show that they care? You know, that is not necessarily always natural for some leaders. So what are some things that you've seen work for those leaders to be able to show that compassion? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in, in the world, especially people appreciate recognition. That's a good old fashioned one. Um, when I had a team of employees who had not been recognized in years, I started to host lunch time so that we could have a lunch break and pizza Fridays, um, birthday recognition, so that we didn't just have times that we were getting together for staff meetings. We had time of fellowship with food brought in. And so that to me was a great way to pull people. Now I'm from California, so we had celery and carrots and all sorts of (laughs) granola. And they did laugh at me because they said, well, really? You know, and someone had to hint me that I needed to bring junk food in. So, but I think it's a great way to bring people together, um, not just in you know, recognizing with the company award or for accolades or, you know, two cents worth of a comment, but being able to really drill down and find out, you know, you want to give uh, so-and-so recognition for what they did in their community that they were doing and serving. Um, You know, so-and-so's kid won, you know, their baseball tournament. Um, I developed a newsletter at one of the, the companies I worked at years ago because it's so important. We just have to bring things to a basic human element of appreciation for each other. Yeah. And not just appreciation, right? Connection that, yes. that appreciation drive uh, allows for connection. And again, in a time now when connection is deeper connection, I should say is difficult to come by because we are physically apart. Um, it's even more important to really focus on that and find ways to help others connect, even if it is, you know, even if it's virtual or something like a newsletter. I mean, I can't tell you how many times when I've done little exposés on employees to recognize them, but have them kind of talk about, you know, who they are, their hobbies, other things like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get reached out to by two, three, four other employees being like, Hey, I didn't know you liked kayaking i kayak too right like you know things like that uh in in terms of just recognition or even just allowing someone to be put up or have uh, be in the spotlight for a little bit 
right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Means means a lot. Yeah, yeah. Especially now, this is a, a tough time for people to be apart. Even more so now to maintain that connection, as you shared. Um, and there cannot be too many touch points right now because the world has flipped upside down. We have people who have been displaced. We have families who are hurting, individuals who have maybe a, a loss of, of vision or hope. And it really needs to be that we kind of add an extra layer of kindness and, and be really, again, servant focused yeah. so that we can really be about uh, helping other people. Absolutely. Well, Don, this has been a, a lot of fun. I'm so glad that, again, we, we could talk. One final question for you. What is the impact that you want to have on people when you interact with them? The impact I want to have on people when I interact with them is that they learn to become better leaders themselves, that they inspire someone else to be a leader, and that they continue to share this whole momentum of leaders serving others first. Yes. Fantastic. Beautiful. Well, again, Don, thank you again. Where can people find you, find your work and be able to connect with you? Absolutely. Well, go and find me all across social at Don McCoy books and also on my website at flourishleadership.com. That's F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H leadership.com. And I look forward to people tuning in. I'm having a lot of fun out there on Instagram reels I'm out there on LinkedIn and some other forums. So I look forward to connecting. Well, thank you again and have a great new year. Thanks you too, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Leading People First podcast. If you're not ready now to go out and try TikTok, Instagram Reels, whatever new technology your team is using to meet them where they're at, I just don't know what you're doing. I love Dawn's approach to continually learn not only for herself, but to do that for others. So go ahead and connect with Dawn because she's constantly teaching, dropping knowledge on her Facebook and Instagram. She's got a lot of great content out there. And if you want to learn more about diversity, equity, and inclusion, anti-racism, I'm collaborating with some awesome people to create the Leaders for Equity, Allyship, and Diversity group. It's a space where leaders can show up authentically have honest conversation, and learn and activate on the social injustices that we see in this world. So you can find us on LinkedIn under Leaders for Equity, Allyship, and Diversity. We have meetings every week to just educate and allow for this space for people to come and show up. Let's keep this conversation going. Hit that subscribe button and share with us what you loved most about this episode on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thank you again for tuning in. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.